0: We have just come through uh, what we call the Resurrection, some call it Easter, but Resurrection Sunday, and uh, it's a reminder, it's a point when the man wants to die, but the Lord Jesus Christ took the sting out of death, he said, I'm he that was alive, I was dead, and I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of hell. And Uh, In in Washington, D.C., we have a memorial. Some of you may have been there. It's called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. I think there's about four men, (coughs) excuse me, representing uh, some wars that are buried there. But the men that are uh, given the opportunity to serve there are highly skilled, highly trained, uh, highly disciplined men. And... uh, I understand sometimes they change the guard every 30 minutes, and then of course, and uh, that's in the cold times. And then of course it can go up to a couple of hours. But as the guard that's been marching back and forth on duty, as the uh, as his relief comes out, they go through all of the formality, and uh, uh, then the, uh, the guard that's uh, to relieve. Uh, comes and stands at attention and he asks the question uh, something like this Do I have any orders? And the man that has been on guard shouts something back loud and clear Orders remain unchanged Orders remain unchanged I know that you've heard that No doubt you've heard other men that... uh, have uh, uh, that have uh, preached on that subject but when i think when i think of the lord jesus christ over and again he told his disciples that he was going to the cross he was going to die for them and for the sins of the world and they couldn't understand it and even peter took it upon himself to rebuke the lord for even talking about uh, the Lord dying Uh, and uh, uh, the Lord Jesus uh, told him get behind uh, get behind me Satan and uh, uh, so the disciples they certainly did not did not understand the death and then uh, when it came to the resurrection if they had believed now Jesus had told them he'd used the illustration of Jonah uh, in the belly of the fish Uh, and uh, he uh, he uh, as he uh, as he used that illustration, it showed that he was going to come out of the grave in three days and in three nights, and still they did not understand. And so we come to that point um, where that uh, where, where that uh, the where that people had not understood the death, the burial, and the resurrection. After the Lord Jesus Christ arose from the dead, he uh, had to spend 40 more days teaching those men. You know, we human beings are sometimes kind of slow-witted. Uh, There's so many spiritual truths that God gives to us, and it just seems like that we don't uh, understand. And remember one time the Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 16, And uh, verse 12, I have many things to say to you. I have many things to say to you, but you are not able to receive it, or you're not able to understand it. And when you think about how that God has spelled it out in his word, how that he impressed upon us, things upon us by the Holy Spirit, and yet we still don't understand. Recently, my wife and I uh, visited an archeological site And uh, I admired the people that would give their time and all, but basically what they were doing, they were digging in a a rubbish heap or in a a garbage dump of another generation. And uh, oh, they were so careful. They'd find maybe a fragment of a bone, and they would study that thing over and again. And I stood there, and I said, oh, I would God that we had men of God and I have would God that we had women of God that would apply themselves like that, that diligently to search out the things of God, the deep things of the Spirit of God, but we uh, we don't we don't do it. And um, I think about the astronomers. The astronomers, oh, they studied the stars. The astrologists uh, corrupted and. Uh, uh, many many books are written on in both areas uh, of the stars. but now hear me, but God uses five words to tell of the of the creation of the stars. Genesis chapter 1 he uses five words and libraries are filled with uh, information about the stars. but God, thought it was just important for us to know that in five words he made the stars but it takes him more than 50 chapters to show us how to worship and serve God it takes us more than it takes more than 50 chapters to worship and to serve the Lord and so as you as you think about this the apostles after the resurrection, if you take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1, and uh, we'll read uh, some scriptures here in, in the book of Acts uh, chapter 1. And uh, it's written by under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by um, uh, Luke. And Luke says this, The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. These were men that he had chosen, and he gave them commandments, not suggestions, and he said to whom also he showed himself alive, after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the, uh, to the kingdom of God. Now notice, here's here's his apostles. If they had truly believed him, they would have been standing at the tomb. Uh, Instead, it took some women uh, to announce uh, that Jesus Christ was not in the tomb, but he had risen from the dead. But here, uh, in verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized you uh, with the water, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, now notice this, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom? Wilt thou at this time? Sharon? and I, Last year, we were in nine countries, I think it was, for uh, uh, training sessions, for for meetings. And when we were forced out uh, from the mission field back to the United States, everywhere we went, people were anxious to say, Brother Jack, do you think that Jesus is coming soon? Do you think that this may be the end times and on and on? And they would say, our pastor's doing a series on Daniel or a series on uh, Revelation. In other words, they wanted somebody to set a date and say because of the happenings of this day and time that that the Lord was going to come on a certain day and a certain time. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's not for you. Only God knows it's not for you. And then he said, I've got a job for you. And I want us to read again that scripture and then read down through verse 8, if you will. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive, after the passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he had uh, uh, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom uh, to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath given. Now I want you to pay close attention to verse 8. But he said, it's, uh, There's not going to be signs, there's not going to be people telling you when. And he said, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I don't have time to fully de- develop this. I'll honor uh, the time that's given. But Jesus said, you, there's a lot of things you may not know, but here's one thing you know. I'm giving you an order. And like the guard says, orders have not changed. Orders have not changed. You should be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem, both in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Do you think when Jesus gave the great commission to those men of God, that he had walked with three and a half years, had, had taught them over and again, tw- maybe 12 hours a day, I don't know. But do you think that his instructions, when he gave the great commissions, do you think that, uh, that uh, uh, those instructions were clear? He told them where, he told them what, he told them how to do it, he told them how long, and don't you think that was clear enough? But I want you to hear me on this because uh, I have found many Bible colleges stop at Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. They leave in the temple and every house. They cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. But the church in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, led by chosen men of God uh, and their names, are going to be on the foundations of heaven, those men never for eight years took one mission's offering. And those men never went outside themselves with the exception of when, first of all, of course, the, uh, the first deacon became the first martyr. That was Stephen. And the first missionary was a deacon and he went to Jerusalem and what happened they sent some inspectors out to check on his work I'm saying orders are understandable and orders remain unchanged you know the church in Jerusalem was well-taught thank God for that thank God for that and uh, uh, but they it took them about according to history it took them about Uh, almost 20 years uh, to scatter now the church in Jerusalem was the richest became the poorest it was the largest became the smallest and um, it was scattered throughout uh, the the uh, that part of the world because the people that were responsible did not understand the orders that were given and the orders Uh, uh, that God's orders do not change. My wife and I are involved in a unique ministry. When I was a young missionary, one of the first things that we said was, we've got to uh, have a missions program. In those days, a carpenter made $30 a month. That was a dollar a day. But we've got to have uh, a missions program, and we've got to send the gospel. Into North Korea and into other countries, and uh, it started developing. And Dr. Kim caught the vision. And uh, did you know that that church, that church, uh, through the years has given millions of dollars for missions? His salary when he started was, <coughs> excuse me, uh, thirty dollars a month. And from that church, Dr. Kim's church. In Korea, we have people buried in many, many places. Most of them are what we call tent makers because in order to get in places, they have to, uh, they have to uh, uh, take jobs. And uh, now in China, uh, throughout China, throughout the, uh, the Muslim world, wherever you go, even as far as Mexico uh, and uh, Bolivia, uh, we have uh, we have missionaries, and uh, by the way, you are supporting uh, not a Korean, but you're supporting Kyle Sheridan in Chile. Now, uh, Chile has had the gospel for a hundred years, but to my knowledge, they've not sent out one missionary. And Kyle Sheridan, your missionary, called the pastors together and uh, said, it's time for us to become mission-minded. The commission, the orders have not changed. You shall be witnesses unto me in both Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, uh, unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so a little girl in our church uh, in Missouri drew uh, a map of uh, South America with Chile there. And uh, uh, the idea was this. Now, like the trade winds sweep from uh, the west to the east, now the gospel must spread from Chile to all of those troubled countries in South America. You see, if, and this is not criticism, they're good people, good men of God, missionaries. If those missionaries had obeyed the orders of our Lord and spread the gospel to every creature in each country, it would have been totally different in South America right now. And uh, so Sherry and I, of course, uh, we'll be going back, and we've uh, we've launched a movement from Mexico, and uh, there were 21 that surrendered uh, under the ministry of uh, Danny Morris, a tremendous man. By the way, Doc, you taught uh, Kyle Sheridan at college. Hey, he loves you. He thinks you're all right. I didn't tell him any different. Okay, uh, but uh, uh, Kyle and Annie are just fantastic folks and doing a job well. So I, I hung that map up there, and the pastors. Oh, you should have seen them. Now, my wife's job is to teach the ladies that they're supposed to be involved. Uh, a lot of preachers don't realize that. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that puts people in the body, in the church, is that right? And when the Holy Spirit puts a woman in the body, she has to have some gift uh, of the Spirit to function within that body. But many, uh, the average preacher, uh, all he knows is husbands obey your wives. No, I mean, I mean, right. Uh, they know wives keep silence in the church, and I had a friend that uh, preached on that, and his wife was the choir director. And the following Sunday, uh, she told the choir without him knowing that uh, we're supposed to stay silent. So when they started the music, uh, the ladies didn't sing. And so my friend turns, "What's wrong?" Said, "Boy, you told us you taught us last week we're supposed to stay silent." So. We're gonna just sit here and stay silent. Well, uh, I wouldn't be that uh, strong with my wife, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, uh, when I think about the orders that God has given, every member of the body has been placed in there. See, a lot of people don't understand the the gifts in of First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve apply to each member within the body, and then the gifts of the Spirit in Ephesians. Uh, actually apply to the functioning of those that are gifted. Did you know that Ephesians chapter 4 says that your pastor is a gift from God? If he's a gift from God, then you ought to treat him like that. Isn't that right? And what you do, I'll tell you, these people, everybody that we've met, love their pastor. And that's the way it, that, that's the way it ought to be. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And thank you, congregation, for uh, 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 working with all of the staff and all of those here at uh, at, uh, First Baptist. But uh, when I think uh, that uh, uh, throughout the world, we've seen great spiritual awakenings throughout Africa, some of the greatest movements of all time. But here's what I found. I found that even our American missionaries would go and they build a good, strong church, but never tell the people, you've got to become mission-minded. When And I, I taught the preachers in the Philippines when we were launching that movement. Uh, I, I taught them a song that I learned in America. I said, I don't have the music, but I've got the words. The first word is, our church is too small to support missions. That's the first stanza. And then the second stanza is, um, we we don't have enough money to support missions. And then the third stanza is, um, uh, is we need more churches here in the Philippines. And then the fourth stanza is, I shall not be moved. And I would start that every in every meeting. Now let's sing our little song. We'll just quote it, and uh, uh, and that's uh, how the uh, movement got started in the Philippines. Dr. DeSalvo, uh, Pastor Wilkerson, has been with uh, Dr. DeSalvo. They love him. And by the way, they said, Now, you tell Dr. Wilkerson, we well, you want him to come back, but don't come unless he brings his wife. Uh, okay? They, they love to hear uh, to hear her. Now, what I'm saying is orders remain unchanged and uh, uh, and I think about uh, the, uh, how limited. Now, my wife and I have been con- become convinced because half of the world's population is women. Half of the world's population is women. Half of that half, if your pastor and I approached them on the streets in several countries and spoke to them and they acknowledged it, we might not make it to the next block before we were attacked and maybe even killed because women cannot talk to anybody except family members. And so uh, I watched my wife uh, witnessing, talking to a medical doctor on the streets in in the United Arab Emirates, and she sat there and told that woman they were, I think they're corresponding now. Um, she told that woman about the Lord Jesus, and, uh, and the Word of God. I remember one time uh, our church uh, in Georgia had built a, a, a children's home, and uh, in that children's home, a young man excelled academically, and uh, he got his master's degree um, in mathematics. And so he said. I want Brother Baskin, I want Brother Baskin to come and uh, teach these teachers because none of the teachers had even seen a copy of the Word of God. And I remember in that first service I was a little bit intimidated because somebody had mixed the schedule up and they chose Sherry to teach instead of me. And here were all, I think, 120 uh, math teachers, and uh, so she started teaching. Told of the great scientists, the great uh, mathematicians that had uh, that had believed in the true and the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when she stopped, I thought, now it's my turn. But no, the interpreter, a wise young man, sensed that God was moving, and he started an invitation. And we heard them crying out. And before it was over, 120 math teachers trusted Christ. We explained baptism. 39 wanted to be baptized that day, but the uh, the river was swollen and and we couldn't. But they said, can we, can we teach the Bible in the school? My wife and I went and we we bought Bibles. And we could not tell them, turn to the Gospel of John or turn to Acts. They had no concept of what that meant. But we gave them a page number. And together, first time in history in that area of Cambodia, those teachers all read together John chapter 3, the entire chapter. And uh, uh, they said, we want to take it. And teach our students in the public schools. And you know, uh, I say, I speak to the ladies. You have a very important role. Amen. And where, uh, wherever that Sherry and I go, we, <coughs> we, don't, we don't follow this feminist idea of women pastors and stuff like that. Um, all of this nonsense that's going on, uh, that women have so corrupted things and the feminist movement that men wake up and don't know whether they're a man or a woman. Now, uh, we're in bad shape in the United States, and women need to learn their role. Orders have not changed. Orders have not changed. I would God that even in the United States, we could have conferences where uh, Sherry could really teach on uh the role of women now let me close with an uh, illustration from the word of god because i see a similarity between what what's happening in america right now and uh uh what i find in the word of god you're familiar with the book of judges in the book of judges the bible said every man did that which was right in his own eyes and then of course if they did what they wanted to do then you're supposed to accept it just like it is Doesn't make any difference what God says. Every man did that which was right. And they said, we want to be like other people. We want a king. And they said, the answer to our problems is we need a king to guide us. There was a humble lady. Her name was Hannah. And Hannah went to God in prayer. She prayed fervently fervently until she couldn't even speak and the man of God thought that she was drunk and he uh, scolded her uh, thinking she was drunk no my soul is exceeding sorrowful I want I want for our nation I want to give our nation a man of God And, uh, and she said uh, that's uh, in her own mind and I'm I'm letting my mind uh, uh, wander on this but in her mind we don't need a king that's not the answer. We don't need everybody with freedom to do whatever they want to. We need a man of God yeah. and she said she said, God, if you will give me a son, I'll give him to you." I'll give him to you. You say, that's, I don't think you ought to do that to a child. I don't think you ought to impose something upon them. Well, the world does. You send a child to kindergarten, and the world starts imposing upon them their philosophy, their belief. You see, when that child comes forth from the womb, Daddy ought to be standing there saying, Child, Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. But more than anything else, Jesus loves you. And mommy and daddy, instead of just bringing a child down the aisle and dedicating them in a church, that's wonderful. But if you you really mean it, you bring that child and you say, Oh, God, what this nation needs right now is parents that are giving their children to God. You see... I long to see House Anderson College double in enrollment. Honestly, I mean that. You've got such a fabulous thing going. We need to be recruiting, and my wife and I talk about the school everywhere we go and uh, tell about the victories that God is giving uh, in this place. But parents today, instead of saying, I'm going to direct my child into this profession or that profession, before you start directing them. Remember, the scripture said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Orders remain unchanged. And wouldn't it be wonderful if, if First Baptist Church members, grandpas and grandmas, would start directing their children to consider God's will the ministry, the mission work. Wouldn't it be wonderful if grandpa and grandma and the parents, when that young bride senses that she's carrying a child right then, she ought to say, oh, God, this is a sacred trust. Lord, let me give you this child. If it's a little boy, please, Lord, make him a preacher. If if it's a little girl, make him a preacher's wife. That stand by that preacher, or some preacher, or Lord, if you want to use her in whatever area to minister to people. But God, what we need is people who will give their children to God. Amen. Now, friends, I know, I know. Yes, missions orders remain un uh, unchanged. Uh, We were over in the United Arab Emirates, I think it was, and uh, meeting down in a basement. Uh, They can't really meet out in the open. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me, there's a lot of problems. But a little boy came up to me, and he wrote me a letter. Dear Pastor Baskin and Ma'am Sherry, thank you for visiting us here in Doha, Qatar. I'm blessed by your testimony. I pray that God that that I will be a missionary, and so to help you, he had saved a hundred dollars, wanting to invest in our ministry. For families, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas, are you are you thinking that it's a political solution? In order for America, I say, orders remain unchanged. You should be witnesses in both. That's at home. That's Hammond. That's Chicago, which you're doing. And then the entire state. And then what you're doing to the uttermost part of the world. Orders remain unchanged. Pastor?